Well, hello and welcome to another episode of our SDBC podcast. Today, I am joined by three guests and we're going to talk about youth and young adults in this current generation um, that is growing up in our world. So I'm joined today by Jason Oldham, our pastor of worship arts. Hello. (laughs) He has worked with youth um, in the past for almost 20 years, right? Is that correct? Don't age me. <laughs> Perfect. So he is, correct. is going to be talking about our topic with us. And Jordan, our executive pastor, has also worked with youth in the past, is it 10 years, 16 years? Yeah, yeah. Both volunteer and then vocational. Yeah, awesome. 15, 16 years. And our third guest is James Cox, our current um, youth coordinator. And you've been going at it for six years. Yeah, six, six and a half. Amazing. Okay, so today we're just going to talk about Generation Z um, and sort of everything that they are about, some challenges that they have been struggling with, and then how COVID has changed and shaped them in this current culture and society. And our, our goal today with bringing up this topic is just for us as a larger church congregation to just get to know some insights about this generation and really understand what it is to be a youth in the world today and the challenges and specific nuances of that. So just to start us off on this conversation, I'd just love to ask you guys all, what is it that you love um, about working with youth and young adults? So maybe let's start with you, Jason. Just give us one quick thing that you just love. Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, um, well, I'm in kind of a, a different world now where the youth that I work with are my own kids. And so um, the same things that I love about and I've loved about youth for many years, uh, I also love about the stage that my kids are in. So I think the biggest thing is you, you, there is so much potential that is, um, unknown for the students you know they 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 are growing up they're figuring out who they are they're making decisions some of which will impact the rest of their lives um and so on a on a spiritual formation side of things i feel like that just the sponge side of learning and growing and figuring out who they are and who god is um and then how that actually might send them on whatever path God has for them for the rest of their life. I think that's just exciting. And I love that um, I have had, you know, countless interactions and relationships that have had uh, some um, hopefully positive shaping moments with teens that have have grown and gone on to um, impact the world and in incredible ways. Um, and it doesn't have to be like they all, you know, end up as people in full-time ministry. Uh, I just, just the fact that they grow into who God is calling them to be and, and growing them to be and, and then end up just, yeah, impacting the world around them in, in incredible ways. And so just that potential, that potential that is sort of wrapped up in that, you know, youth, young adult age of whatever, 10 or 12 year window in there, sometimes longer. Um, it's just pretty exciting. Awesome. What about you, Jordan? Yeah, I think it's kind of twofold. I think, you know, if I think about what, what do I love about youth ministry or, or, uh, working with this demographic, uh, I think it's the, 
the excitement of seeing steps being taken, moving closer in relationship to Christ uh, and all sorts of different levels, right? Seeing students who might not have any kind of church background or have any idea of who Jesus is, and then they step into a youth ministry context, whether that's relationship with students at school, whether that's friendships being developed um, on the sports fields, whether it's coming to youth group or a youth event, uh, and then seeing how God is going to work in that student's lives. And then the other end of the spectrum would be, you know, maybe students who have grown up in the church and seeing them start to wrestle with bigger faith questions and just just seeing students take those steps. That's for me the the most exciting thing. And and because that's why I got into youth ministry, right? When I was 16, I got involved in youth group and that was me. Uh, learning from youth leaders, learning from Grant Fredrickson, our youth pastor at the time, coming to church and just taking those little steps and seeing how God worked in and through me then makes it super exciting to see others doing the same thing. What about you, James? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with what's been said that being able to watch the the hyper developmental age that they're in, watching all the the shifts and the changes, and seeing people become who they're going to be, uh, is a pretty unique and special place to be. But also, it's a very relational age, um, one where you're hyper connected with all sorts of different groups, and so being able to watch those relationships form and ultimately pointing to our greatest relationship with God, and seeing how the world they're in shapes that, and how you can sort of help point them in the right direction. Awesome. So if we're going to talk about Generation Z and youth today, it would be great for our listeners if we kind of describe a little bit what we're talking about. If we talk about, you know, some characteristics about Gen Z, and again, this doesn't define every single individual that is in this generation, but just as some info for our listeners. And for just a bit of context, um, Jordan, I believe you're a millennial, right? Oh, isn't it obvious? Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, maybe my age range is on the uh, upper. Okay, no, so where I was going with that is Jordan is a millennial. I am at the very, very end of millennial. Oh, let's not even go James, where you're going. James here. is at the beginning of this generation Z, and I wasn't even going to mention you, Good, Jason. good. Let's just leave it right there. Um, but there's just a bit of context for you of where our staff falls in these generations. But, yeah, let's just go for it. Um what are some characteristics of this generation and what are some, you know, defining features, especially James, as you are working day to day with this generation? What what is what would you like to tell us about this generation? What would I like to tell you? Um, I mean, for starters, they're definitely one of the most technological, technologically involved generations. I mean, I was pretty young when smartphones existed and I am the oldest year that's counted as Gen Z. So. You know, smartphones have always been a thing. Um, that level of technology has been rapidly changing, and everyone my age and younger has just grown up adapting to that, understanding that. Um, so being a part of this technical age, a generation that was probably the youngest to start on social media, all these sorts of things have definitely been involved in the process of, of who we are. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Does anyone else have anything to add to that? 
Yeah, I'll I'll dive right in. Dive right in. I've got two, yeah, I'll do two. Okay. Right. One is kind of a, a funny, I think, distinguishing element to this generation. Um, but I definitely started noticing it as I was leading the youth group. Uh, I think more than any other generation, this generation Z is incredibly health conscious. So junk food, for example, uh, it's on the decline for this generation. Not to suggest they don't like junk food, uh, but definitely a lot more health conscious. I remember when I'd be leading youth nights, I'd have a, a nice, delicious, sugary snack. But if I forgot the mandarin oranges... I would get complaints from youth, right? It was incredible. Very different from from my generation. So, uh, yeah, very health conscious. And then uh, another big one that um, that I see across the continuum of Gen Z, right? Because they're also a large age range. I think it's 10, 10 to 25 kind of is the age range, um, would be... Uh, they're very uh, empathetic. Uh, diversity is very important to them. Uh, they are one of the most diverse generations. And as James, you mentioned, because they're so technologically advanced or digital natives, they are open to so many diverse sources of information and engaging on so many issues regarding diversity uh, that that kind of really builds into who they are, which, you know, there's, there's pros and cons in the sense that, you know, love thy neighbor like that. This is them right? They are going to be so much more open to loving others. Um, however, one of the challenges could be how to navigate some of the more challenging issues regarding diversity, um, whether that's, you know, gender pluralism, whether that's looking at how they navigate forward and speaking into a culture, biblical truths. Um, because obviously once you start to enter into that, you know, diversity field, it becomes challenging to help people navigate, well, what does it look like to land on something specific and disagree with people? I think that's also a challenge for this generation. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I was reading something that um, kind of um, summed it up as that this generation is well-educated because of their access, but also more stressed and more depressed because of this access. Um, and that's something that we'll circle around to is mental health. But before that, Jason, did you have anything just to add to this? Yeah, not too much more um, other than just kind of kind of going off of the fact that they have been attached to a world of information for almost as long as they have lived. Uh, I am outsmarted by my children. I am out... Um, yeah, they know so much more about a variety of topics than than I have just by purely, you know, listening to YouTube channels and subscribing to this. And and I mean, I'm a I'm a hopefully unaware parent, and we've instilled boundaries and all of these things as far as connectivity. And I have my ideals about what I feel real connectivity is that is face to face and but they've grown up in a way that 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 definition um is very different than mine um they are connected it is in a different way and and some of that i've had to grow and accept but just the yeah they i feel like knowledge is um just part of who they are and i would say um uh, if I can make the distinction, I would say one area where I feel the youth would benefit from is transitioning that knowledge into what what true wisdom is and how to how to figure that out. So like what Jordan just said about knowing a lot of stuff. And I also think I was going to mention, um, I feel like as 
as we've continued to move through the generations, I've noticed in the years I did it, um, uh, youth and young adults um, are more aware of the causes that are out there and and their specifically their spiritual identity is attached to what Jesus is doing in the world based on a cause. And so I had to sort of adapt youth ministry over the years from just purely teaching, you know, truths in scripture or, or, uh, concepts of morality and ethics to really kind of attaching the heart of the student to what they were passionate about based on what they felt Jesus was passionate about and how they saw the world. And so, uh, and I think, I think that's only getting more real as they see the chaos in the world. And it's, it's just sort of the reality of who it is, but how they can interact with that. So causes for sure, they're all about it and figuring that out. But yeah, wisdom. I think wisdom, I'm I'm trying to figure out a way to parent my kids who know a lot into figuring out how to take that knowledge and really see it reflect the character of Christ and the cause of Christ through each of the issues that they face. So, and that's something I'm constantly trying to learn myself. So uh, it's a whole lot of fun. Yeah. So one of the main things that we've all sort of touched on is this uh, technology and the social media and the rise of all of that and how it has influenced this generation. And I remember, I think it was last year, Paul and I did a podcast on the social dilemma, the the Netflix documentary, and they showed this one scene, though it was just um, sort of an anecdotal story. It was about this 12-year-old girl who, you know, has an Instagram account and she posts this picture if she's real really feels good about and then all the negative comments that come in and how this really informs her own you know self-esteem self-image and all of that and so not to say that this is exclusively a generation z uh issue it can clearly impact all of us as humans but you know just showing that this social media and the presence of it is so defining to the identities of this generation and so i just want to you know ask you guys if you had anything to add to this, like, let's dig into this social media thing. How has it, um, how do you see it every day, James, and maybe Jordan and Jason, if you wanted to, um, sort of enlighten us on how that has also been a shift between the youth, you know, maybe that you were teaching 20 years ago to the youth today. So why don't you just start us, James, on, you know, enlightening us to some of these things that you deal with on a day-to-day basis. Well, yeah, I'll enlighten you. Um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, youth now, I mean, everyone's always been putting on an identity. We've all had something that we, you know, belong to or say we belong to, but now there's an age and a a focus on identity that is made more obvious uh, through the youth's social media, whether that's Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, they're going to have these personas, these identities that they fully flesh out based on the social media they subscribe to. to the point where some youth will even have like a spam account where they can be more real to themselves and have a more professional face kind of account that anyone can look at. But the spam is for close friends. Like social media is is who they are, uh, maybe a bit more than they might realize. And it's at an age, like we were saying, is very developmental. Mm. So while these things can affect people at any age, the, the negative comments or the inappropriate comments that can come from being online are coming at an age that is more informative, more shaping than 
most people are living through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think one of the most significant distinctions, especially between kind of millennials and Gen Z, is that uh, Gen Zs are 100% digital native. Um, like their phones are a part of them. Uh, talking about connectivity and identity, uh, whatever social media apps, whatever ways in which that they can stay connected, that doesn't necessarily mean a, like a, a physical space, um, is just part and parcel for who they are. And so if you can just kind of imagine what that would be like to always be connected. So whether it's stuff going on at school, there's not a break between those pressures and what you're experiencing and then going home because your phone is with you and you're on it. Um, and then you couple that with, like James was mentioning, just the pressures that are present in that social media world, just that would have just been like, you know, the physical world, you know, if you're going out, you're going to get dressed up, that kind of a thing. Um, and those are very real identity forming pressures. Um, I think when I think about some of the benefits of social media, um, in terms of how they can access more information, how they can engage with different materials, whether it's about different causes and become more informed. Um, the downside to that is social media is constructed in a way where it's very rapid communication. And so that doesn't really give opportunity for having more robust dialogue or debate or discussion, right? And I think we even talked about that in, in that podcast, right? Dis discourse. Um, and so everything is so rapid and so quick that one of the things that is a challenge is how do we help this generation be able to engage and, and hear an opposing view and not have that an opposing view feel like an attack or something um, because it's so easy now with social media to cancel on people or to just unfriend and unfollow. Um, the moment some kind of an issue comes up, it's like, oh, you think like that? I'm, I don't want to friend you anymore or I'll unfriend you. Um, so I, I think that's also something that has shaped uh, this generation as well. Definitely. It makes me think of the musical Hamilton and how there's so many um, musical numbers about the essays that are being written, the papers and the discourse and how, you know, they would write those 30 page papers on different issues with the slave trade and all these different things and be sending them back and forth and having these huge fleshed out conversations and, you know, how far we've come to, what is it, 250 character tweet or something like that. Yeah, it's kind of mind blowing. Um, but Jason, I want to ask you specifically um, how do you and Julie sort of parent through and navigate this social media thing? Because I would, all of your kids, well, your three oldest for sure, are Gen Z. And so how have you guys learned to, you know, discern what the, the rules and the precautions around all of this are supposed to be? Uh, great question. I don't know if there's like a straightforward answer other than kind of like we're just trying to be the best parents we can understanding where our kids are and are at. And like Jordan just kind of said, like even just some of the things he highlighted within social media and a, what the teens are experiencing to, to always present um, the, the reality of the situation, um, not to deny their reality not to say that our reality was better 50 years ago or 30 years ago it's different there are rights and wrongs within it 
Um, you know, when they first got phones, we were we were very careful to say this is a tool. This can be a toy. You can play games on it, whatever. But it can also be uh, detrimental to your mind and heart and soul and spiritual health. So we've tried to guide our kids through um, something that is part of them, something that every kid, at least, you know, kind of in North America kind of is attached to, but there's with anything, um, you know, that, that there's temptation. But I, I love what kind of you said, James, like every kid, like you talk about whether it's a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, or two days ago, we are all in this, we are all human. We are all going through these shaping moments and identity. And it, it's different in the way it's happening right now, but it's the same. It is essentially the same. Development is the same in who we are becoming. And so I try to keep it on a very basic level, like we are human. We are trying to understand who we are in light of, you know, the world and then specifically as as Christians, who God is, who Jesus is, and how we work through that. And so I've been, I think Julie would be on the same page as we've been uh, cautious and careful, uh, gracious and open, like open, like t- talk, keep the communication going. Um, talk, like, you know, don't be afraid to have a conversation like, hey, like, what, what are your favorite, you know, YouTube channels that you're subscribing to? Tell me about them. What, who, who is this guy? Who is this girl? Kind of what are, who are they and what are they promoting? Because who you are watching, who you are following, uh, whether you know it or not, you're creating for yourself, you know, an algorithm, you're creating for yourself a path that if you are not careful, could create for you the identity that you ascribe to. So you have to be careful. And like for me, yeah, it was totally different. I didn't have those things, but I still followed people at school, the, the cool kid, the popular kid. I still listened more to what they said than I did uh, the kid who never said anything or who was the outcast. And I still, you know what I mean? Like, and that cultivated my ideas, my ideals, my values. So it's essentially the same, but man, it's ramped up and man, it's every day and man, it's every minute and like it's constant. And so to try to help my kids um, see that that is the truth about it without, you know, kind of telling them that that's, you know, like for a while, I think I got into some good heated conversations with my eldest when, cause he was our scapegoat kid that I made all the wrong and right decisions with, you know, telling him that, that this is this and this is that, and this is bad and you shouldn't be on your phone get off your phone. And I mean, I'd still have those conversations, but I'm, I'm realizing that there isn't always like, that's not always like the answer, like to, to, to get off or to put it down or to put it away. It's a matter of this is, this is their world and how do they navigate through it and how do they really cultivate a life of faith through it and how can they see it? And that's back to that wisdom comment, how they can see something and even at a young age have the wisdom to interpret that something that is not going to be come who they are, but is something that they can engage and love and all of that stuff through. So, uh, man, I'm, I'm so not perfect in it all. We're pretty thankful that our kids have, um, have an awareness and that, that they're fairly careful, uh, with, uh, social media, but, um, 
uh, sometimes I feel like not careful enough. Like you gotta, like, I don't want to be the worried parent, but I want to be, I want to put boundaries in place for my family that will help them. And yeah. Now, Jordan, I know your daughter is only four months old, so or five months old. But she's a genius. <laughs> she already well, knew that's about not Family ex- Day weekend. I can't <laughs> wait to see. What, just, just joking. No, not exactly where I was going with this. I'm sure she is a genius, um, and I don't think she would technically be the next generation. But I would just want to ask you: have Where you are they going to go? Like I said, alpha, this is the last. Alpha. alpha. They're restart. going back around. Restart. That's right. Yeah. Then in Generation Alpha. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask, have you and Christiane already begun talking about this? Because, you know, it'd be pretty naive to think that social media is just going to go away by the time she gets a phone. So how have you guys already started to work through this? Or have you? Yeah, no, no. Well, it, so it's interesting. Um, you know, and this, not that I, I mentioned this earlier, but another reason why I do like working with youth is because it does force me to always be up to speed on what is cutting edge, right? And so with with Lennon, we're in this kind of interesting space where it's we're kind of going, okay, so what what will define her her generation? Um, what are the think of COVID and everything that's going on? Like hundred percent, this will shape you know what her life is going to look like um, in decades to come. But um, but anyway, I think one of the big things that uh, that I'm starting to kind of be aware of is that technology isn't going away. It's highly addictive, right? We talk about um, the social dilemma. Companies understand the psychology of how to build, whether it's apps, clickbait, how to get you to go to their site, so on and so forth. So all of that is is going to remain, and there's pros and cons to that, but... Um, going back to the, the wisdom thing, have wisdom to understand that. But um, it's trying to figure out what, what will be the defining uh, technological changes, right? So you think of virtual reality. Um, you know, if you look at virtual reality right now, it's laughable, but it will it will change, it will grow, and it will become something that I think will impact us in the future. You think of Facebook's metaverse. So for me, it's it's going, okay, so yeah, there's things that I need to be aware of now, but it's future forecasting, right? Augmented reality, uh, virtual reality, like that kind of thing. And, and trying to think through, okay, so, you know, what, what, what are the, what's the impact of those technologies going to be, uh, on Lennon, uh, and, and trying to think through what, uh, what kind of conversations we might have to have. So I think it's almost just trying to th- almost envision where technology is going for her. Um, this is a side note, but Jason, it, when Micah was born, if you had been envisioning all of the things that would have taken place in his lifetime, do you think you would have come close? Uh, definitely, I wouldn't have thought things would have progressed as fast as they have, but I don't think I thought it would be that much different. Like, I know, like I, um, you know, I grew up. Before there was cell phones. There it is. I admitted it. I grew up before there was cell phones, or at least the first cell phones were very large. <laughs> 15 and pounds. Yeah, yeah. And But I, I would also um, like to say that I've never been uh, one to try to learn new things. I've uh, So when computers and cell phones did hit the market in a, in a somewhat affordable way, uh, I was kind of exploring and, and figuring out how to use it. And it's a gadget and I, I just like that kind of stuff. So um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but I don't think, I think with, I think with 
raising kids, you, you just want to make sure that you, you raise them with the essentials that, uh, and fill their, their toolbox with stuff that they can help navigate whatever changes mm-hmm. come. Uh, and again, it's not, it's not, I don't think it's, sometimes it's avoidance. And I think like you talk about the addictive nature, Jordan, like we've seen it. And when we've had to tweak, um, you know, whatever you want to call it, screen time, things like that to help curb the things that they don't even realize what's happening. You see it as a parent, but they don't see it as a, as a 13 year old or 11 year old or whatever. So sometimes it's avoidance and, and cutting off and, and kind of whatever. But a lot of the time it's trying to figure out, um, like the way with it and, and using it for, for, for good and not letting it. And I, and maybe that's just like kind of everything in life, uh, with the term, what is it? Well, in moderation, whatever, but I don't, yeah, yeah, man. I, I just think parenting kids for that. And I look at Jordan, I mean, he's just starting out. Um, and you mentioned all of those things and I'm just like, Goodness me, I'm... I'm <laughs> Good luck to you. <laughs> Good luck, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so, yeah, social media, all of these things. And I think for better or for worse, worse something we do definitely have to acknowledge is um, sort of the rise of mental health awareness and mental health challenges for this generation and also for kind of all of humanity because I don't know if it's a chicken and egg situation but you could say you know the stats have been going up because of social media because of technology because of all of these things and our interconnectedness or maybe they're also rising because you know the stigma is a little bit less than it was 20 30 years ago so whatever the case we can't deny that you know statistics have been rising and youth are dealing with um, more prevalent mental health struggles Um, so James, is this something that you see in your ministry? Um, is this something you sort of have to tailor to? No, it's definitely something I've noticed. Uh, even just from when I was in youth or first started youth to now, there's been a, a clear shift, a clear rise in mental health. Like Jordan mentioned, um, you know, he was my youth pastor at the time, and I remember the ne- necessity for veggies and mandarin oranges. <laughs> um, but that health conscious side was not just physical, but it's been mental and that that lean to mental health has been rising. Kids are more aware of it. Kids are more in tune with it. Um, I've heard kids say some pretty, you know, philosophically amazing things because of how in tune they are with the mental health discussion. Um, But it is painful to watch as this mental health sort of situation continues to rise. I think yeah, there is an increased awareness and that's bringing increased stats. But I don't know, there's something about the situation they're living through where I'm seeing more people with anxiety disorders, for example, is, is much more common than even when I was in high school. And I would like to think that that wasn't that long ago. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm in, if I'm in the same generation, I can't yeah. be that old. Um, and so it, it's definitely interesting to watch and to navigate. And I've totally tailored to that. Uh, My last series that we went through and my current message series um, are a lot about identity and mental health. Right now, it's all focused mental health, Mm -hmm. addiction, depression, anxiety, self-harm, all sorts of crazy, very deep topics, Um, but they can handle it. They aren't like shy from it. Mm. Sure, the preteens, it's a little little nuanced for them. Um, Some of them wrestle with it at different levels because they're at a very different 
developmental age. Some of them know everything that's going on. Some of them have never heard any of the terms. Um, but over the whole spectrum, from preteen to grade 12 or young adult, um, people are into it. They are in tuned and they want to hear what the church has to offer mm -hmm. for mental health for sure. And have you had a lot of good response? Students coming back and, you know, saying, yes, this is what I've been struggling with. Thank you for, you know, being so relevant to my issues. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I've had, you know, community kids, uh, kids from that I had never seen until we started the series and their friend went, oh, hey, we're talking about this this week. You need to come out. Mm -hmm. And they loved it. They came talk to me right after the message or kids that I've seen grow up for years that are like, hey, I know you knew I went through this, but this really spoke to me. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, what about you guys? Do you think it's the rise in these statistics is something definitely correlated to social media, the reduced stigma? What do you think? All of the above. I think I think the world has gotten way more complex and and our young people are right in the thick of it. And uh like really, like like it's not just information overload, it's 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 um so James, you'd mentioned topics that some kids are either intentionally sheltered from from their parents. Uh, or, or just they haven't dealt with it to other kids who have explored just because they have the ability to explore online at all times, whenever. Um, and you think about a child who hasn't had to really deal with it. Um, they might hit a wall in their twenties because they haven't dealt with it. And then they have an overload or whatever, but you might have a 12 year old that is incredibly understanding of what they're going through. And, and because of the ability to because it's not as taboo or because now there's, you know, certainly with mental health, there's much more of an open conversation, which I think is super, super good. But at the same time, uh, really hard to deal with at, a, at 11, 12, 13. Um, and so sometimes that can cause, you know, whether it's, whether it's brought on, I'm not too sure. I, I, I couldn't ever approach these you know the 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 complex understanding of mental health and the brain and development and dna and you know all of it that is involved in it but i would say certainly nowadays it is heightened it is more aware it is um, it seems to be more prevalent. I don't think it's just a matter of we didn't talk about it 20 years ago to now we're talking about it. I think it's way more than that. Um, I think it's nature and it's nurture. I think it's, you know, I think you talk to any counseling center in any town. Um, I'm pretty sure most of the counselors will agree it is um, more heightened for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that made me think of how right now, especially, I know a lot of the counseling centers are absolutely packed full because of COVID compounded on top of this. So that's kind of where I wanted to go next, is especially you, James. How have you seen COVID um, be a catalyst for this? Oh, absolutely. I've seen it from, you know, late 2019 when it was first, you know, rumored, oh, COVID's coming, yeah. it'll be two weeks. I remember having a youth come up to me, they were in preteen, they were freaking out at the end of the night and they they swore like, oh, this is gonna be like one of the last times I see you because of COVID. And I was like, kid, 
they say it's going to be two weeks. It's not even in BC yet. Don't worry about it. Boom. I've never seen that child again. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just one of these things where this level of like uncertainty, this, this lack of trust uh, in what's going on in changing regulations, these sorts of things uh, definitely heighten the mental health talk. I mean, anxiety is the opposite of trust. And in a world where you can't really trust what two weeks from now is going to look like, uh, it's really hard for these students to be living through that. They're, they're learning to, to mellow out and to, to handle it a bit. Um, mellow out seems a little rude, but to, to be able to, to navigate it more certainly. But mm-hmm. for the past few years, definitely it's been a, uh, a difficult journey for a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's amazing then that you have these students coming out and they're being authentic and vulnerable with you, especially through this series. And you're able to show them that, yeah, we might be not be able to trust you know what's coming in two weeks but you can trust in the lord you can trust in these things and you know you're still going to be here for them you're still going to be doing these series whether you have to pivot to an instagram live story Mm -hmm. or whatever um which you have done throughout covid and i think that's amazing um jordan did you have anything to add to this mental health topic sure yeah so you know i like i like the the complexity comment um and then obviously covid has just compounded complexity on a number of different fronts but yeah i'll try to see if i can connect some of the dots here you know i think so there's definitely a spectrum when it comes to mental health challenges and then with respect to that spectrum you have anxiety as a very specific um element that's now uh become compounded in, in people, right? And, and actually, I wouldn't even say this is just Generation Z. Like, I think across the spectrum of, of generations, uh, I think a lot of people are are feeling the, the impact of uh, anxiety uh, and, then, and then even more specifically anxiety disorders. But, you know, I think it, it, if you think about generally, generationally where we are, uh, we're, we're post-Christian, um, we're post kind of that Judeo-Christian foundation of values, and going back to even the first question about what defines Generation Z, so you have pluralism, relativism, deconstructionism, you have diversity, then you, th- you th- and and then you think of like some of the more positives, well, health conscious, but there's a whole spectrum there about being the best you can be in that in that category. They're all about causes. Then on top of that, let's throw in social media. They have access to all of it all the time, and unfortunately, there's different ways in which news is framed, then let's throw in the sound bites. So there's no opportunity to actually engage on these in meaningful ways, you know, going back to your wisdom thing. So just, just saying all of that, I, I'm overwhelmed. Like just, just saying all of that, I'm overwhelmed. Right. And so, and then COVID, COVID on like that, that was before COVID that was their Generation Z in particular, but all of us. And then now it's COVID, uncertainty, 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 right? So, you know, what are some of the compounding issues of COVID? Isolation, fear of the future, grief. Like Generation Z has missed milestone after milestone after milestone, which so and they don't know how to process that. And then and then, you know, the more traditional sense of grief, loss of something, loss of a loved one, not being able to do memorial weddings, all of these graduations, all these things. Right. And and what's one of the unfortunate defining things about this generation Well, it's the quick sound bites. 
there's no opportunity for them to process relationally with somebody. And I think that's really uh, one of the one of the challenges that I see moving forward, you know, going back to that comment about connectivity, right? Um, is, is So yes, this is the reality, but at the same time, we do have to create spaces where we give students real presence. Um, and I think that's one of the, one of the key challenges, but, um, anyway, this is just, just to try to see if I could connect some of those dots there with respect to the, to that. Yeah. And there are a lot of dots. Um, so in light of everything we've just shared in light of, you know, describing generation Z and all of the challenges and everything, how do you guys think that as a church, as a Christian community and family, we can, uh, support and love Generation Z specifically, but also, as you mentioned, Jordan, that these mental health things are transcending all generations, especially right now in light of COVID. So how can we support, love, walk alongside each other, you know, validate some of the challenges, but also point to this wisdom that Jason has been referring to. We've all been touching on. Um, what are some thoughts and ideas you guys had around this? Yes. <laughs> well, I know I'll, we can, I'll, but how? Yeah, I can just yeah, yeah. I'll jump. So I mean, even just um, that idea of presence, uh, I think that that's going to be, especially coming out of COVID, will be of central importance. And I think, you know, you think through COVID and, and while there are a lot of negatives, it has provided an opportunity for people to reevaluate priorities, right? I know a lot of families who have decreased the amount of sports kids are playing. Well, COVID did that for them. But even moving forward, it's like, oh, well, we actually did have some opportunities as a family to spend a bit more time together that was beneficial. So, you know, I think presence is a, is a key one there. Um, and I think that's even something uh, that's, you know, modeled to us uh, through our personal relationship with Jesus. You know, I'm just going to read John 15, a few verses here. I am the true vine my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. I think there's something incredibly freeing there in those verses. When you abide in me and I in you, um, Jesus is the one that's going to produce fruit. It's helping, especially Gen Z, understand they can take a breath, that even though they're passionate about all these causes, that it doesn't mean that it has to be on them. The burden isn't on them. It's about, and, and this is the other beautiful thing, abide in me and I in you. We can just abide in Christ. We've already achieved in Christ, right? So you, you think about all the things that they're wrestling with. There's something very freeing in there. And so I think then extending that idea of presence and abiding in relationships is, is hugely important. So that might be on a more personal level. I think as a church in general, we've talked about how cause driven they are. We've talked about how aware they are, how connected they are, how in intellectual they are. They need expression in the church. Now we need to give them uh, expression, whether that's in the topics that we're addressing, whether that's creating spaces to really dive into some of the things that they're wrestling with, um, whether that's seeing themselves reflected in different elements of the church, ministries, Sunday mornings, whatever that might be. Uh, but I think giving expression is also really important. Well said. Yeah. Um, no, I could go on this topic for well longer than anyone needs to listen to. But um, yeah, like Jordan's saying, there, there's a, a need to feel 
involved and to feel seen for these for these kids. I mean, the, to to be just on the outside is not going to work for them. They have grown up always being on the inside of everything. They have a phone on them at all times. I can't remember other than maybe like taking a shower. I don't really know the last time my phone was more than like arm length away. Like mm -hmm. I have always had any discussion or any information at my disposal. Um, and so if they aren't able to have an open dialogue, I mean, that's going to be hard to encourage and work with any Gen Z. Uh, if there's sort of like a, a no-no topic, um, that's going to be very difficult for them. But most of all, relationship. Uh, just opening up the church and slowing down is more than what they need. I've had discussions with preteens, grade sevens, who were acting up. And I finally got them, okay, why, why is this? Why are you upset? Why are you bullying? Why are you whatever? And it'll come down to, oh, I'm stressed about my sports game on Sunday night because if I'm not good at sports, I won't get into this college and I'll let down my parents because they need to perform, perform, perform at all times. Social media, if you're not perfect, you're not mm. good. Um, and so this sort of performance uh, if we strip that away from what it's like to be at church, if you're not performing at church and you just are, that has been working wonders for our youth group where kids are just coming, being who they are. Kids of all different um, backgrounds are, are talking and hanging out, playing volleyball uh, that would not normally interact. But because there is no expectation, no performance needed, and there's just a, an open invitation like Christ gives us, it's, it's working, and they are excited to be involved. Absolutely. Did you have anything to add before we close, Jay? Uh, I mean, it was pretty much an identical philosophy wrapped in a different color 20 years ago when I was leading youth ministry, like real, authentic relationship. Um, I just think it's a blessing that, that we have been allowed among all the restrictions to at least continue some form of community with young people like the government and, and the society has valued the, um, the importance of relationship in that particular age group. So, I mean, I know they get it uh, in a digital form and I can't deny it and, uh, and I would encourage different ways of it. But man, when my kids um, go to a place like camp where they don't have to have that device um, within arm's length of them and they have a week where they are free of it. And I taking kids on, you know, missions trips where they just haven't needed it and put it down and whatever. Um, there's something that happens in, in the depth of their soul. There's freedom that they experience, um, that speaks to me. And, uh, and it's not to say that you know, they can't pick it back up again and, and function in life. I think you do function through it, but uh, when they are experiencing authentic relationship, deep, you know, um, they know it. They know it and they long for it. Uh, and I see it in my kids, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty great stuff. So I would say if we can, as a church, provide simple opportunities for students to engage with one another and engage with Jesus on that level and to know that there is a God that actually allows that type of tangible relationship with himself through Christ. That's the gospel. And if we can keep um, pointing people to that, um, 
I think we'll still, we'll see not just coping through it, we'll see succeeding through it and, and people who are raised up to be leaders that help others through it. And it's not going to be, it's not going to, yeah, it's, I don't know, I can keep going like, like James said, but I'll stop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Perfect. Well, on that note, we just want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in today. We hope that this conversation has been informative and challenging, and we just hope that um, this just brings some encouragement to our congregation on how to encourage one another, the specific challenges that, you know, generations below us and amongst us are going through right now. May we have the patience and the love and the humility to walk alongside one another. I also just want to thank Jason, Jordan, and James for being here today. We hope to have you guys back sometime very soon. Um, thank you, Mary. <laughs> anytime. So on that note, have an amazing day, and we'll see you again soon. Bye.